Oh my god, speaking of stop the films, the new pleasing picture. Did you see it? It's literally atrocious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it upsets me because I, I fear that it proves that Harry was just hair the whole time. Like, his face is not that cute. He looks like every other bitch. I kind of think he's still cute. <gasps> Do you think I'm diseased? I don't think, think I have like an, an infection. You have one direction infection for sure. But look, look, when I saw like the videos of him, I was like, no. But then I saw that picture of him and I was like, oh, I see we, we do not agree on this one. We do not agree on this one. <gasps> but I he looks small. It's hard to even do this because obviously you like how much can you like remove yourself from it, but like if you saw him on the street and he and you not didn't know his personality like didn't know his music, would you think he was cute? Hmm, that's hard. Because with his curly hair, it's like of course you're gonna think he's cute, like. He could have sunglasses on, and you'd still be like, slay. I think I would think that he was handsome, but, like, not okay. as much as, like, I would with hair. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. I'm still just mourning. <laughs> Did you see the comments on the pictures, though? And somebody was like, was it lice? Did you see his mom? No. <laughs> Someone his, um, his mom posted. No. And posted and was like, Harry always treats people with kindness and that's his motto, but nobody is showing him kindness. For being bald? Yeah, bitch. It's because he's bald. Like, sorry about it, but... I think Harry needs to figure... The thing that, like, I look at Harry and I'm like, I don't like that. It's his facial hair. He, yeah, he doesn't actually have very good facial hair. No, it's, like, a little bit spot, like, spotty. Yeah. Like, Niall, for example, has, like, good facial hair, I think. But Harry, not so much. But, like, does shaving for so long ruin your facial hair? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, every time I look at it, I just get a little scared. I'm staring at it right now. I'm staring at it right now. His eyes are so beautiful. He does have really pretty eyes. To us. He still has really pretty eyes. He looks so nice and gentle. Do you think he was like so scared posing for that picture? Yeah. It's gotta be. Wait, did, did I tell you the hair transplant theory or was that Cassidy? No, I think you told me. I told you. Okay. Because what if he is getting a hair transplant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Nick about it last night, and he's like, I literally don't understand why it's so important. Like, whatever, the guy, like, shaved his head. And I'm like, Nick, but, but here's here's the thing I think people don't, like, yeah, I get it. He's hairstyles. He's a celebrity. Who cares? He shaved his head. He, like, Harry's hair is his brand. 
Yes. He's completely rebranding himself right now. Yes. And he's been, he's, his hair has been like this, like his hair has been his brand for over 10 years. Right. Like this is, like I, I understand it's not a big deal, whatever, but it is a big deal because he's, this is a guy who's made a business off of himself and people love him and his hair is literally him. And now he's taking that away and doing something different. Like, in terms of business and money, this is actually very interesting. It is. It is. Because he... So that's what it makes me think, like, I don't know, it has to be for some... Like, it. Like I don't think he would just do it for fashion. You know what I mean? Also, uh, I... He did it so he can spend time with his girlfriend in peace. Period. I mean, and if that's the case, then, like, good for him. Um... I can't believe how I can, but I'm upset about how expensive the pleasing perfume is. I didn't even look. It's like 160 bucks. Yeah, no. And that just makes me sad because I want to try it. But whatever. At least a, a sampler pack. I know. They should. Um, All of pleasing is like honestly too expensive though yes like the nail polish is too expensive which like i get it like it's a luxury brand but like harry you already make enough money can't you have like a poor people brand especially because his like regular merch is so ugly and so expensive also so expensive also like if i go to a concert i bought a ticket i'm about to buy expensive food i should be able to get merch for like 30 bucks and under yeah i agree his freaking sweatshirts are like 70 bucks they should be 45 yeah they should and the t-shirt should be like 25 yes part of my ticket cost should go into paying for merch yeah seriously how did we end up here harry harry um, we talked about Harry before even doing our, our introductions. We're so bad. Crazy. Uh, but I'm Liza. And I'm Riz. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. And finally... From so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Yes, and that's exactly what it sounds like. I like the color of your hoodie. It's Nick's. Niche coming through this niche the- hoodie. One day I was at his house and I stole it. I just went home in it and then I left at his house next time I saw him. And then when I went to go leave, I was like, I'm gonna. I texted him, I was like, I'm gonna miss you. He's like, Take my hoodie. I was like, Slay. He knows like, I'll be taking that. Last he week knows. you were wearing his shirt, you were wearing it, it had bugs on it. Yeah. <laughs>
I steal Nick clothes. Your whole wardrobe is just niche. It's just niche right now. My new pet, niche. My new pet, niche. If he had dresses, oh, we would be so in sync. Niche in a dress would actually be so cunty today. Right? Like, I think he'd eat, actually. I'm trying to get him to let me pluck his eyebrows because I think it'll be so fun. The, yeah, that would be, like, the ultimate, like, you like, know, those, so satisfying, like, right? Like, those pimple popper games, which is not, like, my cup of tea, but. Just a little cleanup. Yeah, just a but, um, There have been times where I've, like, worn one of Nick's shirts out, like, over one of my dresses, and people have been like, oh, my God, I love your shirt. You look so good. I'm like, it's Nick's. It's Nick. It's Nicholas's. Thanks. When people only compliment your clothes that you stole from your boyfriend right stupid well it's is it our favorite week of the year maybe i think so i kind of do i kind of think that as well um i kind of think that as well dude there's never a bad one never and not this week nope no We, we have another hit we have another set of hits um for anybody who forgot or did not look at the title of this episode we are celebrating native american heritage month woo 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 third year in a row um and we have still never flopped with this category not yet not yet I don't know if we ever will. We'll have to check again next year, but I can almost guarantee it'll be another sleigh. It'll be a big sleigh. Big sleigh. Do you have a favorite? Like, if you had to pick between all three years, do you have a favorite? It's hard. hard. Yeah, that's really hard. I think because... I don't know, like, this one is so fresh in my mind, and because this one really showcases so many different stories, I want to say this one, but I'm also like, oh, I don't know. It's hard, because, like, my gut wants to say Savage Savage Conversations by Leanne Howe, just because that was one of, like, the craziest books I've ever read in a good way, but, like, I think about... Night of the Living Res very often. Like very often I I think of stories from that collection. And then this year, I love this book so much. I'm gonna use it for my one of my essays for class for this end of term. And I'm gonna read the rest of the series by this author. So it's like it's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, it definitely is. I recommend The Only Good Indians to people all of the time. Yeah. And I also recommend um, Skeleton Man to people all of the time. Right. It's like one of my favorite kids' books to recommend. And I love that, too, that it's like introducing kids to both Native American culture and horror mm-hmm. in a children's book is so cool. Yeah, and I I love that he, like, I'll never forget that, like, you know, the main character is a child, but, like, 
he never dumbs her down just to be a child. Right. Beautiful. Amazing. So good. Um, You read My Heart is a Chainsaw. Did you read the new one? No. I saw a TikTok that it's better than My Heart is a Chainsaw. I didn't really like My Heart is a Chainsaw. Exactly. I love Stephen Graham Jones. Yeah. I love him. I think he's amazing. But there's something about My Heart is a Chainsaw where it goes, it feels very like, not like other girls. Yeah. I think I need to like go back and like try to read it again because it is, it's like a good meditation on slasher while being fiction. Right, right. But I don't know. Some things are insufferable. Don't Fear the Reaper is the new one. Yep. Um, yeah. The I third saw one that's coming out in June or July, I think, is The Angel of Indian Lake, I think it's called. Interesting. And the cover for that one's really cool. I'm looking it up. It's like creepy. I'm surprised he didn't pick another song title. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, ooh. Interesting. Okay, Steven. And obviously, like, first round, like, art copies are going out right now. And everyone who's posted about it on Twitter, which has been, like, maybe 10 people max, They've all been like, I've just cried my eyes out. I'm I'm so happy to see Jade Daniels end like this. So I'm like, oh God, what does that okay. mean? That's interesting. I still have to I mean, wait, did you read Mapping the Interior? What was the other one you read? I've read Only Good Indians, Mapping the Interior, um, Night of the Mannequins. Night of the Mannequins. And my heart is chainsaw. And then there's Mongrels. I really want to read Mongrels. It's just so cunty slay to me that, like, probably the best horror writer out there today is a Native American person. Mm -hmm. Like, how cool is that? He also has a book called The Last Final Girl that I want to read, but I can't. It's like a print on demand. I can't get it from the store. Why the fuck does everybody have a book with basically that title? I want to read... I want to read the trilogy. I already read Final Girl Support Group. I want to read Final Girls by Riley Sager, which I heard is better than Final Girl Support Group. And then I want to read The Last Final Girl and see which one I like best because I think that's fun. I have a theory that I don't like that guy who wrote Final Girl Support Group. Grady Hendrix. Yeah. Because I did not like my best friend's exorcism and then you didn't particularly care for final girl support group no it was like entertaining yeah but like i don't know i just I think liked... he's overhyped here's my thing i think that he's a really smart guy because i love what he's doing with the paperbacks from hell and I, like yeah. he's like an encyclopedia of like book horror knowledge right but I think the way that he plays to tropes doesn't always work. Yeah. Like, I that... think that in terms of horror, 
he's more on the side of cozy horror because he's not as scary. Maybe that's what it is. And so, like, when people say he's, like, oh, the best horror writer out there today, I that's why I'm, like, I don't like that because I want that to be, like, Stephen Graham Jones instead because Grady Hendrix doesn't strike me as, yeah, scary. Like, I've heard, also- I've, I've heard really good things about How to Sell a Haunted House. Okay, interesting. And I liked Horror Story. It wasn't, like, one of my favorites, but I liked no. it. It was entertaining. It was entertaining. And there were parts of it that were actually scary. I just yeah. really think that people probably say that because he takes old tropes. He takes tropes that we've heard about for years and writes them in his own way and makes them fresh and modern. So right. I understand why people would say he's the best one of our time because of that specifically that he's doing. Right. Um, And he really just does like unique and different things. But I don't agree with it (laughs) i also am excited about paperbacks from hell because we are gonna do that as like a thing spoiler alert and i am excited about that and like sometimes do you ever wonder if somebody should just like not be a fiction writer and should just be kind of like a literary historian Mm -hmm. maybe he's one of those yeah but clearly people like his book so like obviously he's successful like it's fine but like I just find it interesting yeah he definitely like tries to make things like woke is the wrong word but like kind of woke like I feel like final girl support group was very like anti-men super feminist and I'm like, maybe that's not working for you 100%. And it, I wonder, too, if maybe his stuff should technically be YA. And if I would respect it more if it was YA, which yeah. is like a shitty thing to say, but it feels true to me. Like when I read My Best Friend's Exorcism, like I was expecting like adult horror. Mm-hmm. And it's not that not and it doesn't sound like any of them really are like the borders on cozy yeah right like exactly there's some cozy horror needs to be more of a recognized thing yeah there's some big name authors that i'm like yeah they're like everyone likes them but they're cozy horror darcy Coates, she's cozy horror yeah she is you're so right and she just wrote like a kid's a YA sci-fi fantasy book, I guess. And I'm like, I want to read it just because I'm curious what her big differences are. Like, why is it not adult? Um, I don't know. That's my that's my two cents on, on that. But honestly, you should try to read Horror Store, even if you just okay. like, get it on your tablet. Just because there were definitely parts of that that I liked. I feel like that's his best which i still want to read um southern book club yeah i still want to read that because everyone says that's his best but from what i've read and from what i know that you've read i'm gonna say horror stories is best. okay interesting okay maybe i'll get it on my kindle it's good it's like oh that was a fun read and yeah. that's what we like sometimes yeah 
Um, we got a little off topic, but that's I know. Okay. We're so bad. Um, what did you read this week? I read the brand new Never Whistle at Night, an indigenous dark fiction anthology. Hell yeah, brother. And I read also pretty new, um, 2019, I think. Girl Gone Missing by Marcy R. Rendon. Who wants to go first? Up to you, best friend. It's hard. I think you went first last time. I'm like staring at the cover of Never Whistle at Night. The cover's so good. I um, I did it with an audiobook, which... I low-key would recommend because Ooh. the the guys who the people who read it guys gales who read it were amazing and one of the when I talk about it I'll find his name but one of the guys his voice is so good it's like like I'm low-key in love with him just for his voice I might um, get the audiobook but I think I'm gonna buy the book anyways I just didn't buy it originally because we it sold out of store that's great news that it's yeah. so popular. And we already have five on order. So I think I'm going to buy it anyways just because I want it because it's pretty. Yeah. But I still highly recommend the audiobook. The cover's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, I... I can't not have that. No, you need to. And now you have, like, a building shelf of Native American fiction. Like, you got to add it to the collection, mama. Right. and And also, like, I recognize some of the names just from like knowing authors or whatever. Yeah. Like say the bio at the end of the story for each author. But like now I want to like hold it and like look at it. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to be able to flip to a certain story and then flip to the bio. I think that would help connect it better in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. So I'm going to buy it, but yeah. Good. Buy it. Take it away, Eliza. Hey, that's me. Um, yeah, so I read Girl Gone Missing by Marcy R. Rendon, who is a uh, member of the White Earth Nation. Um, this is the first book of hers I've ever read. It's part of the Cash Black Bear Mysteries series, to which there is three of them. This is actually the second book in the series, which I didn't know, but I don't think you have to... Um, read them in order they're basically like that style of mystery where like it's always the same protagonist or like detective you might say um just solving different cases so I hope she does more cash black bear mysteries I know there's only three now but like I would honestly read every single one um it takes place in Minnesota in the Red River Valley and I think, yeah, Cash, who's the main character, is also Ojibwa, um, White Earth uh, Reservation native. Um, and I don't really want to call her. So basically, <laughs> I'm taking a course this semester on women's crime fiction, and it's really interesting. And it has me thinking about all these things of, of how, like, can policing even be feminist? And I've come to the conclusion that I don't really think it can. 
However, I think women of color specifically are doing a really wonderful job of subverting the um, genre and placing women of color in like detective positions where they're not actually police or anything, but they're like solving crimes and specifically or like mysteries and more specifically mysteries that like impact their marginalized group. And I think that's really cool. The interesting thing about this book is it kind of, I thought it was going to explore like the missing and murdered indigenous women's crisis, but instead it actually focuses on something called missing white women's syndrome, which if you listen to true crime podcasts or read true crime, you might already be familiar with, but it's basically this idea that white women of a certain social class and just like type get way more like sympathy and and like attention from the media than women of color or like poor white women or like prostitutes and there's this i i this theory of the less dead um which like is this idea that when somebody like a sex worker or a drug addict or unfortunately the way our society operates an indigenous woman dies they're like less dead in the sense that people care less about them so that's all really interesting and I thought it was like kind of curious that this indigenous author decided to focus on like missing white women syndrome and like this link of of white women um going missing when the missing and murdered indigenous women's crisis is so like prominent and also not really talked about um so it just had me thinking about like a lot of stuff in terms of that um and that's kind of what I'm like writing my paper about right now (laughs) but I don't know it just like makes you think about it makes you think about a lot of things like I'm thinking a lot about like labor and like the labor women of color have to take on to like protect their own people and then here you have like a young native girl who like has to save a bunch of white girls and I just think that's so interesting So I'll get right into the rating scale. For readability, I gave this an 8.5. It is a really good mystery. And I think it's kind of cool too because, okay, sometimes when you have a mystery, like crime fiction, you care way more about the plot than you do about the characters. And like oftentimes there's, the only thing that really matters is like the mystery plot but Marcy Rendon did a really good job of just painting a picture of Cash's life um so you're almost as interested in her like regular goings-ons in her life as you are in the mystery that's unfolding alongside it so like she's going to college she's a freshman in college um she lives on her own but she was previously in foster care 
and her brother who was also in foster care um at the beginning of this book kind of shows back up in her life after being in Vietnam um and they she explores that relationship and you know you get to see how like Cash is doing in school and she has like a little like different things going on with like two different men and she's really good at pool like there's all these like different little subplots alongside the mystery plot but they're kind of just as enthralling as this crime that you're kind of trying to unfold alongside cash and I think that's really um hard to do honestly and it's not really even something you see all that often in crime fiction so I really liked that for language and style I gave this book a seven this book is very easy to get through like it's on the longer side and you could get through it in like a couple of days honestly just because first of all like the readability she's just good at 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 sort of pushing you along but I also think it helps that the writing is kind of like just right like very regular very streamlined like gets to the point um so I give it a seven I'm gonna skip form because there's nothing crazy going on oh I will say the other thing about Cash that I forgot to mention is she has like intuitive dreams so she's not necessarily psychic, but she can like understand things that already she can't see what's gonna happen, but she can like see things that kind of ha like are happening in her dream world. It kind of honestly reminds me of the little girl from the black phone who knows where like she she helps solve that mystery basically. And she gets like these little glimpses that can like kind of tell her about the people that have gone missing or like where they might be but it's like not clear enough for her to do like figure things out based on that alone I also find that really interesting that they reminded me of each other because I don't know why but I decided in my head that the two wait hold on you good queen I thought I heard, like, the door open and then my mom. My mom should be at work. Oh, do you want to go check? No. Okay. Um, what was I? Oh, I decided the two kids from Black Phone were Native American. I don't know why. But whenever I first saw that movie, I was like, uh, yeah, they're native. And I don't think Joe Hill ever says that explicitly. Um, and I don't think those actors are. But like in my head, I was just like slay indigenous representation. Um, so anyway, I find it kind of interesting that like the little girl in that story has like a similar gift to Cash. Um, anyway, though, I mentioned that in terms of form, which I didn't rate only because you do get like popped outside of the story every once in a while in a kind of interesting way when you're in Cash's kind of dream world. Um, For shelfworthiness, I gave this book a seven. I am definitely hanging on to it because 
<laughs> I'm going to read the rest of the series. And like I said, there's only three now, but I'm kind of wondering if there's going to be more. And now I kind of just want to have all of the Cash Black Bear mysteries. And that's really exciting to me as well, because I've never been like, you know how like a lot of people are like big mystery people and they're like, I read every single blank mystery. Like I read like so-and-so's mystery. I read every single one. Like, I always think that's kind of so wholesome and it's, that's just never been me. So I'm glad I finally found like a character and a story that I'm like, uh, yes, please. And I will read all of them. Um, But yeah, I would say this book is one that people should pick up even if they don't plan on reading the whole series or you could pick up the first one um, if you're kind of against reading things from the middle of a series first. But I just think it's really cool. And I think not a lot of not a lot of indigenous people are writing crime fiction and more specifically, not a lot of indigenous women are writing crime fiction. So this is kind of just a good thing to have and like to add into the your like lexicon of indigenous literature. Um, not to toot our own horn, but I think Marissa and I have done a good job at like reading a lot of different kinds of native literature. Um, whether it be literary fiction or children's literature or horror and now um, crime, like short stories, all this different stuff. So this is definitely just one to like, I think it's a good example of indigenous crime fiction. For plot, I gave this book an eight. Um, I already basically talked about this at the beginning when I was talking about uh, readability, but the actual like crime that's unfolding in the story is is really interesting and there's kind of a big twist at the end not the end in the last act that you're like well I didn't really see that one coming um but sort of her just like day-to-day life is just as interesting as the mystery itself and and just exploring what like a 19 year old native girl lives like I also forgot to mention this takes place in the 1970s um so to put it in like context like I think we're supposed to so they were both in the foster care system and they didn't grow up on their reservation per se um because they were kind of just being bounced around to a lot of like shitty white families So I think we're also supposed to think of this in context of like it's on the heels of a time when people were still feeling the effects of residential schools. Um, And of course, we're in a time where like indigenous people in the United States are still treated horribly today, um, but it was even more so an issue in the 1970s especially just in terms of like racism and people like thinking really horrible things about native people um so yeah just to see what that was like for like an indigenous woman a indigenous girl she's 19 moving about the world in the 1970s was really interesting um and I guess that ties me well into into plot I mean into characterization which I also gave an eight um cash is an amazing character and her brother mo is really interesting as well 
And I hope he gets explored more in the third book because he's also a Vietnam vet, which is so interesting to think about in terms of like, there was definitely Native American guys who were drafted into the war. And I just think you don't really think about that very often. And like what it means to like force a Native American person to like fight for their country when their country has been like taken away from them. It's so like, oh, there's just like so many layers to it. But he also has PTSD, which I think is really interesting. And he has a gift as well. Um, And I think she must play both of them up more because the fact that like Cash has like visions through dreams and Mo can like figure out where people are, like a tracker almost. And both of those are things that are like part of Native American folklore and just Native American culture. So I'd be interested to see how Rendon like explains that or like plays upon that even more in the later books. Um, But the other character that's really great in this book is um, Sheriff Wheaton, who's kind of Cash's caretaker. Um, And he's like very believable as like a kind of bristly but like kind-hearted older man um the victims of the crime are also portrayed quite well although they like encapsulate missing white woman syndrome in that um you know they're all like blonde-haired blue-eyed like the media keeps mentioning that they were like like perfect girls and nice to everybody and in their church group and good in school and they were cheerleaders um Rendon does a good job with them specifically because after when, when we meet them they've all kind of been um they've gone through the ringer and they've experienced things um that they would have obviously uh, the horrible things that they would have not ever experienced prior and she does a good job I think at writing um what a woman might look like how she might feel after events like that um so I just think that was really well done but yeah this is a great book um Girl Gone Missing Marcy R. Rendon of the White Earth Nation another banger for Native American Heritage Month all right, let's whistle at night. And by whistle at night, I mean, let's fucking not whistle at night, bro. No, <laughs> don't do it. Let's never do that. I'm just trying to find. So how. I'm not talking into my microphone. Um, I'm just trying to find. How Spotify. Because I listened to mine on Spotify. Oops, sorry. I listened to mine on Spotify, and Spotify separates it into tracks, which I kind of like that. But I just wanted to see if it would give me, like, something about the each one, like if it would tell me who it was by, because one of the stories in here is by... Um, what the frig, Marissa? Marcy Rendon. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 
<gasps> That's crazy. But I don't know which one it is because I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> I wonder, can you pull up, like, the table of contents on, like, Google Books? Oh, maybe. Let's see. Because sometimes it'll give you, like, a preview of the book, including the table of contents. Or even Amazon. Did Morgan Talty have a story in it? Yep. <gasps> all our all our slayers. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. I I really that. feel like I got a good taste of like most of the big names in writing right now. Yeah, that's so exciting. Cause Steven put it together, right? Like he edited it? Um, no, the editor was actually Shane Hawk and someone named Theodore C. Van Als Jr. Okay. Um, Stephen Graham Jones just wrote the introduction. Introduction, okay. Which was like, you know, really good in like a creepy what the hell am I reading kind of way, which we Classic. love. Classic Stephen. Okay, so Rendon wrote a story called Wingless. I'm trying to remember which one that was. It'll come to me. I'll think of it. Um, yeah, it's definitely like so much easier when I can look and see who did each story. Morgan Talty's was a lot of fun. I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, so this this book, like I said, it's an anthology. It has a lot of big names. Rebecca Rowanhorse is in here, um, who has countless sci-fi fantasy series. Um, Nick Medina's in here, who I literally know his name, but I can't think of the book that I'm thinking of that he wrote. Oh, Sisters of the Lost Nation. He wrote that. Um, I don't know how to say this name, but I think it's Sherry Dimmeline. Which is pretty sure... Pretty sure, yeah, she wrote Empire of the Wild, Funeral Songs for Dying Girls, that Venko book. You know, it says like Venko Coven, Venko Coven on the front. Um, who else? Tommy Orange is in here. Yeah, so many. So many whose names that I recognize but have never gotten to read their stuff um I almost picked Venko for the book that I was going to read and then I found a poetry book called I think it's called Live Nations Living Nations Living Poetry let me look it up Living Nations Living Words is what it's called um and it's an anthology of poetry but I forgot at Nick's house 
And I was like, what if I just get Never Whistle at Night an audiobook? And I'm so glad that I got an audiobook because um, I think having different people read it really did. I don't know, it like heightened it. And the people who read it were all amazing. Um, there's a guy who his voice is so good and I'm in love with his voice. His name is Shane Ghostkeeper. And um, anytime he started to read a story, I was suddenly like, oh, this one's going to be good <laughs> just because of his voice. Um, but obviously, I think everyone should buy the book because obviously. But I think if you do the audiobook you're not going to be missing out. Um, it was good and slay and I loved it. Even though I am usually a book buyer. Anyways, doesn't matter. I'm going to buy the book anyways. So because it's an anthology, I didn't really do a rating scale. Um, I kind of did. So for readability and interest, I gave it a nine. I literally could not stop listening to this any chance I got and I lost my headphones this week and I literally begged my mom to let me use her so I could listen to it at work um yeah like could not put it down I'm like I feel like this is going to be one of the things that I read that I just randomly come back to at times and listen to again um because there's it's so rich there's so much in here it's so like it, there are definitely parts of it that are so haunting um i love i love having like just it feels like just like a little sample of all these authors and just seeing the different things that they do and this anthology has like horror it has regular fiction it has sci-fi fantasy feelings and vibes to it it some stories feel kind of YA. Some stories feel like like literary fiction. Some feel like, you know, regular fiction. There's just so historical fiction. There's so much going on in here. Um, and it feels so magical and so good. I will say there's one story that I skipped over. Which was 17. It's track 17, so. If I can count correctly. I think it was one of the editors, Theodore C. Van Als Jr.'s story called The Longest Street in the World. I think it was that one. And the reason why I skipped it is because, sorry, I'm not going to be able to tell you word for word what it said because I don't have it in front of me. 
but there was like an opening that said to only listen or only read the story when there's snow outside otherwise they'll know that you're talking about them and that freaked me out and there's not snow in buffalo right now so i had to skip that one that will be one that we're coming back to as soon as it snows because i'm curious i think it was a a flash pedestrian story maybe but i'm not positive and i didn't want to yeah so we skipped that one but i'm sure it's amazing <laughs> um i'm sure it's really really great but yeah so for language and style it's it's hard to to do that in anthology because it's all you know different people um but for the most part i was intrigued with all of their stories they're all brilliant i think they all um are insightful and make me you know i don't know you know reconsider the history that i've been taught i guess um which is always a good thing and yeah some of them were really smart in a way i almost like wasn't uh, expecting for example there's a story called um white hills it's by rebecca rowanhorse um and the main character's name is marissa by the way and that one although she's an interesting character and she's married to this rich guy and she just says that she wants white hills and i think like what she's meaning by that is she wants like the view like the the rich life and everything like that um and she's pregnant and her husband doesn't want her to be pregnant and the story turns dark um especially once they find out that she has native american blood in her um and i thought that story was so interesting because it reminded me of that hemingway story hills like white elephants um i just feel like there were so many similarities in the fact that it was white hills and um a story about pregnancy and the other ones about pregnancy and all that it was so interesting and so smart in a way like I don't know if she was doing that on purpose truthfully but it's it's so smart to take you know a, a literary figurehead like Hemingway and to kind of like flip his story and to make it a native story kind of very slay kind of so smart um so good <clears throat> for language and style also I want to say like yes this is like uh actually is this book even even coded in fiction or is it in horror I don't know to be sure It says it's a dark fiction anthology. I don't know where it's coded. I kind of feel like it's coded in horror, but I'm not positive. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, 
while there are pieces, there are stories in this anthology that are absolutely horrific, not all of them are outwardly gory or disturbing or, um, I don't know, not all of them are just gory or violent or whatever, but many of them are dark, creepy, messed up, all of that, um, which I love, but it's, I don't know, I feel like a lot of times it's in a fiction way where it's like, wow, that's really messed up when you think about it. Um, so yeah, that's that on that. For Shelf Worthy Read Again, I gave it a nine. Like I said, I'm going to be coming back to this. And I, even though I have the audiobook, as soon as it comes into store, I'm, um, sorry. As soon as it comes into store, I'm buying it. Like we have five copies on order and I'm buying it the second that it comes in because I want to be able to flip through it and I want to have it. And I think it's important to have it um for me um i i like i said i really do think it's a thing that people will read again and i think it's good because there's a mix of so many genres going on i think it's a good book for many people to enjoy um and Yeah, I just feel like it's a little sampler platter, and we love that. Obviously, I'm going to skip plot and characterization because there's not there's not much, you know, anthology-wise. We don't got that going on very well. But, um, yeah, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> it's really creepy, and... I think that there are stories in this that I'm going to be thinking about for a very long time. And I can't wait till it snows so I can listen to track 17. And yeah. I think it was you. I mean, I say this all the time. So I'm not, it could have been last week that I said this. But if like a Native American person tells me something, like I'm going to be like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm just going to be like, no, you're so true. Like, I'll do exactly what you tell me to do. So the fact that they said don't read it when it's not snowing, I'm like, you best not fucking read it. Like, mm-hmm. that's so scary. Also, like, flesh pedestrians are real. Like, mm-hmm. like the Native American version of it is real, not the, like, random white guy on Reddit. No. Um. So if it if they gave that warning and then it was about flesh pedestrians, that's a little spooky ookie. Mm-hmm. Um I don't understand. Are flesh pedestrians and the W word the same thing? Yeah. Okay. You can't say the W word either, right? I don't think so. You're supposed to like make up a like whenever I see native people say it they like on tiktok or something they like misspell it or like say something else and you're just supposed to know what they mean the other day my friend said it and i was literally like don't say that around me 
I know it's literally so scary. I think the only thing that's different is like geographical location. I also had a friend one time who I I think I like said a story about how I saw an animal that I thought was a flesh pedestrian, but and she was like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "You know." And she like didn't get it, so I like wrote the word out and she said it and then kept saying it and like Bro. in a joking way and I was like okay you're like like things like that really freaked me out like I I thought about it all night I thought I was like scared to look out my windows like I, and I didn't say it <laughs> like I was too scared <laughs> like I I don't know like Native American folklore huh? scares me it, it's so there's something about it like I'm just like oh one time I saw a um stag like a literal stag deer with antler big ass antlers walk on its hind legs for like more than it should have been longer than it should have been walking on its hind legs and I swear to god it was like the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life yeah outside my house like just looking out my own window mm-hmm. like not even that far from my house in my yard walking on his hind legs Mm-mm. what was the animal that you saw that you thought was one I don't remember Ugh. I feel like it was just like like sometimes this is gonna sound really weird but sometimes like rabbits freak me out I think rabbits are like an animal that really does like I see rabbits during big changes in my life I also have a weird thing with rabbits like I've seen white rabbits like on busy streets and cities yeah so like I I really feel like they I don't know I always see them at like a transitional period and but I also see really creepy rabbits a lot like ones that I'm like like they don't run away fast enough from you. Uh, they like stare you down like like weird ass rabbits. And I feel like it was a rabbit that had freaked me out and I was wondering if a rabbit could be one. Yeah. Um I think it was something like that. Yeah. The thing is too like I believe indigenous lore of any region because in Haiti they have this concept of like it's basically kind of like a flesh pedestrian but it's like a man who will turn into a cat and like i've seen several many people haitian people talk about it and it's so scary and i'm just like if an old like haitian person like and they'll be like and my haitian grandma told me that like i need to do this that and the other and i'm like yeah if an old haitian person tells you to do something you best fucking do it mm-hmm we're not messing around here like the indigenous people of every culture just know what's tea I feel like there's there's something about it being like so rooted in the earth and in like nature that makes it feel real to me you know what I mean like Uh, like I don't know like white people white people legends is like vampires what's a vampire rooted in right I kind of like there's no there's like little substance 
that goes with it. Sure, you can track it, you can figure something out, but like for the most part, I'm like No, I I'm with you. Also, this popped into my head because you mentioned vampires. And I know we talk this is going to be off topic again. Um and I apologize for that, but because we were talking about it last week and because also a few weeks ago we were talking about why am I blanking? What's the name of the book? I am legend. Yes. Do you think that at some point there was like a miss um translation and undead was always supposed to be vampires and at some point somebody saw the word undead and was like, "Oh, like a corpse coming out of the ground." And they made it zombies instead. Mm. No, I think people are just stupid. Okay. I think people just like refuse to like. I think they just have to feel like they're doing something different. And because he doesn't explicitly say vampire, I feel like they felt like they could do that. Okay. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Because what made me think of it is I watched World War Z and those are fast moving zombies, obviously, like we were talking about. And I was like, who did this? Like, where did we shift from Night of the Living Dead zombies to these fast moving zombies? And then I was like, oh, I wonder if Undead... Because, like, they refer, like, people refer to zombies as undead and vampires as undead. Mm-hmm. Vampires notoriously also move really fast. And so I was like, did, was there just, like, a mistranslation at some point? But I think zombies and vampires just get conflated a lot. Um, I think you should watch Eli Roth's what is it called Eli Roth has a um horror histories of horror it's called he's like a a horror tv show where it goes through specific genres and talks about it and they did zombies and I remember I watched it Actually, freshman year of college, I watched, I like binge watched the whole first season. I think, I think there's more than one, but I I only watched the first one. And um, it there was an episode on zombies, and it explained like when fast zombies came about. Oh, I'm gonna watch that because one it's that's really cool, interesting too. I'll watch anything Eli Roth fucking makes. That dude's crazy as hell. Mm-hmm. Also, I heard Thanksgiving Day, the new movie is the best slasher of the year, if not one of the best slashers of all time. Really? Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I've heard it's yeah, got like he's smart. He knows his stuff. On Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But he's- yeah, you should definitely watch that. Okay, I'll watch that. It, it like explains the origins of a lot of things and I should probably rewatch it because it's I don't remember a lot of it, but and like people like the guy who played 
um the original Michael My- Michael Myers or um Jamie Lee Curtis is in it and right they just like talk and I don't know share their opinions on things and it's it's good and it's cool and you learn from it which is how fun I would definitely watch that um okay serving another year of Native American Heritage Month realness I love it. So freaking good. Also, we forgot to mention, as you guys are listening to this, it's Thanksgiving. Um, So make sure you remember whose land you're on. Mm-hmm. And reckon with that how you will. Mm-hmm. And fuck the pilgrims. Yep, yep. And um, what else? Yeah. The these white men are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Land back. Also, what's the best vegetable? The best vegetable. Oh, um, I love corn. Yeah, corn. I love corn. And you know who couldn't figure out how to grow corn? Whites. Whites. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't do anything. They weren't even supposed to be here. No. They... Most of them were trying to get to elsewhere. I know. Columbus said, am I in India? And the natives were like, fuck no. What the fuck are you talking about? Stupid Christopher. Stupid Mayflower. Dumbass. Stupid. Um. Actually, I, I was about to say, I actually love the Roanoke. Thing because I think they just went and lived with the Croatoans. Yeah. Like, I literally think they just merged with the Croatoans and ended up together. Which is cool. Which is slight. So, actually, I take anything back badly about Roanoke. What's the colony where they ate that little girl? The white people. I don't know what you're talking about. There was one of the early colonies in the United States... They started like starving, and so they ate a teenage girl. The white, the white people, and then they had the nerve to be like, "Oh yeah, Native Americans are savages." I'm like, "You just ate a girl, but, but okay, best friend." But what, like, oh, what was it? Um, I'm looking at <coughs> colonist, colonist cannibalism. Jamestown. Yep. They ate people because they didn't have enough food and it got too cold. And yeah, winter of 1609. Scary. Can you imagine if you walked into your church one day and they're like, all right, here's the plan. Literally... That's like in The Last of Us. Like everyone said yes to that? I know. Hmm. Well, it's like the um Oregon Trail people, the mint uh what are they? The called? Donner Party. Donner Party. They ate each other too. Yeah. I'd have to be really fucking hungry to eat somebody. <laughs> I don't even know if I could. I don't think I could. I'd probably just die. 
I'd just die because I don't really care. People gross me out. Yeah, like, I don't know. If your survival instinct is that strong, good on you. But I would simply just not, like, I would just be like, okay. I'm going to pass away now. Yeah, like, I'll fucking die. Like, I'm going to go find some poisonous berries and just die that way. Right. White people are crazy. Oh, my God. Okay, Colonial Williamsburg has an article called Such a Dish as Powdered Wife. And it's, like, about colonists eating their family. Ew. That's such a creepy, like, saying. Such a dish as powdered white. Powdered white. Someone turned that into a creepy short story. I hate that. Anyway, immensely. Enjoy your dinner. Don't eat anybody. And I fuck the colonizers. And that's it. And yeah, that's that on that. That's my Thanksgiving greeting to you all. Scary. Well, what's next week? Oh my god, I almost forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Next week we got a special guest. Special guest. Special guest. It's Jess. Jess, 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 Jess. Jess Jess D'Ambrosio. Second time on the pod. Mm -hmm. Last time was here for Geek Love. Mm Mm-hmm. This time will be for a book that's almost as weird as Geek Love, but I don't think anything can be as weird as Geek Love, so. But. What are we reading? Bunny. I'm on TikTok a- trending. Bunny. And I think it's going to be really interesting, too, because, okay, the reason I wanted us all to read this book is because we all went to the same program, and this book reminds me so much of some of the people in our program in our writing because okay basically it's the creative writing master's program is the setting of the book and I just think this book is so funny for creative writing students to read in general but I also think it's kind of interesting that it's grad school specifically because it's like Jess just finished grad school I'm in grad school right now and Marissa's currently applying for grad school so it's kind of like a perfect time for like three minds to like meld together to to talk about like academia in this way. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. I'm so excited. You're going to love it, I think. I can't wait. I already bought my copy. So that's next week. And yeah, that's a, closes out the month of November. And then we have more shenanigans for, for December. We'll see you there. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Stop the films, you said. Stop the films. (gasps)